My guest today is Professor Bart Selman. Bart Selman is a professor of computer science at Cornell University. He is a fellow of the American Association for Artificial Intelligence and a fellow of the American Association for the Advancement of Science. Bart Selman is a big name in the field of uh, artificial intelligence. He is the president-elect of the Association for the Advancement of Artificial Intelligence. Professor Bart Selman is with me on the phone line. Uh, Bart, thank you very much for taking my call and a very warm welcome to Bridging the Gaps. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This is a very interesting series. Artificial intelligence uh, is uh, not a new idea. Uh, it is uh, not a new concept. However, uh, there has been huge progress in the field of artificial intelligence uh, in the past uh, 30 years. Uh, we have very good machine vision systems. We have very good uh, uh, natural language processing systems. Self-driving cars are being developed and many other uh, interesting and fascinating applications of artificial intelligence uh, are emerging. Please outline uh, for our listeners uh, some of the recent developments and milestones uh, in the field of uh, artificial intelligence. Yes, um, let me do so. Um, so, artificial intelligence has, has a long history, as you, as you mentioned, or, or relatively long. It's about 60 years old as a field. Um, but the, the real breakthroughs and the real advances started um, roughly around at the end of the 1990s. And I, I like to uh, give the, the first uh, real advances actually when, when IBM's uh, Deep Blue program, uh, chess program, beat Kasparov. And um, this was really the first time that an AI system uh, outperformed uh, any human uh, uh, on the planet, basically, uh, at, a, at a specific task. In this case, it was playing chess. Um, and, and that was sort of the first sign that machines could could do things that, that normally uh, associate purely with human abilities, with human cognition, um, but machines could, could do it at a level beyond uh, the best human. Um, so that's sort of the, the start uh, of, of sort of real advance in AI. Um, there was work, early work, you know, around 2005, uh, early, you know, in the mid-2000s, um, early, sorry, 2005, um, when the first self-driving car results uh, were obtained and, and cars could drive autonomously um, in certain areas. Uh, and there was some sign that maybe self-driving cars would be possible. Then 2011 actually was when uh, another program by IBM, IBM Watson, won uh, at Jeopardy, which is a fairly challenging uh, uh, game show type uh, event in the United States, um, and Watson's quite surprisingly beat the best uh, human players there. So again, a little piece of evidence that AI started to work. Um, now, the real breakthrough, and, and you just mentioned those, are in uh, computer vision and speech recognition, and that was a, a really a, a dramatic change in the field. This was around 2012, um, because we had struggled for many decades to get computers to see and hear the world the way humans perceive the world. Um, and that actually had not worked for decades. And the field in Germany was quite pessimistic about how to make that work. Um, a good part of our brain is devoted to uh, vision. The visual cortex is a, is, a, is a large part of our brain. And so our, our human brains have, have evolved over, over thousands of years, or hundreds of thousands of years, to be very good perceptual organs uh, very complex. Um, it was really a surprise to researchers in the field that uh, in the uh, around 2011, 2012, uh, suddenly we were able to match those capabilities. Yeah, not in all areas of computer vision, but object recognition is, is one area. Um, suddenly we, we had computer programs or these are called deep learning systems that by training them on uh, literally hundreds of thousands of images, uh, which we call examples, so the Im images with human labels uh, attached to them, like this is a cat, this is a dog, uh, whatever is in the image would be labeled. The systems would be trained, the deep learning uh, system would be trained on those images, and then on previously unseen images, so it's images that had never been shown to the machine before, 
it could identify uh, what was in the image. Uh, and, and this was really caused a, 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 an amazing change in the field, a sort of a, a revolutionary change almost, um, where we realized by training with lots of data and the so-called deep learning uh, system, which are modeled, by the way, after the brain, uh, we could uh, reach a new level of AI. And a lot of the uh, excitement in the field is around the capabilities of these deep learning systems. And this has led to AlphaZero, AlphaGo, which are the, 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 uh, the Google programs that, that uh, beat the world uh, Go champion player. It now has the best chess player that is superhuman, way above any human capabilities um, in a deep learning system. Again, learned from self-play. Um, and we keep discovering new capabilities for these systems. So the last five years, uh, I would roughly share what has happened in the last five to seven years in AI is, is uh, you know, uh, a scale above what was happening in the first 50 years of AI. So that's part of what the excitement comes nowadays. Artificial general intelligence uh, is a concept uh, that can be defined as uh, the ability of a machine to perform any task that a human can. Uh, how far or how close uh, we are uh, to uh, this goal, uh, to this milestone uh, of developing artificial uh, general intelligence? Yeah, that's, that's a very good question. Uh, one of the remarkable aspects of human intelligence is how, how flexible we are and how many different um, tasks and, and specialties we, we can deal with. Um, and how good we are in, in, in problem solving and, and figuring out how things work, how our world works, what other people, um, how, we, how we devise plans. And, and basically, our, the generality of our intelligence is quite uh, remarkable. So, as I mentioned before, these systems where we have these breakthroughs tend to be on specific tasks. So they tend to be you know, on chess, on go, on uh, self-driving cars, on computer vision, object recognition. So the, the tasks we're seeing now being conquered uh, are these specialized tasks. Um, and still remains this open challenge of getting to the, the generality of, of human intelligence. Humans can adapt quickly to new situations, can figure out unforeseen situations that they've never been in, can do something reasonable. That's called general uh, artificial general intelligence, at least we want to find the artificial equivalent of that, um, that's still a, a challenge. And, and um, the, the general, uh, you know, the consensus in the field is that that could be, that capability could be another maybe 20, maybe 30 years away. Personally, I would say roughly 20 years away before we reach that. Uh, and actually one of the, the, the key challenges in that area of how to get general intelligence is what we call common sense knowledge. So we all have a very broad understanding of the world around us, and we know all kinds of aspects of you know the physical world, how objects drop, to, fall to the ground when you when you tip them over, or when or how things move, how things uh, interact. We have an enormous uh, storage of uh, of very everyday facts and everyday properties of our world. Um, that kind of understanding, that kind of common sense understanding, machines don't have yet. They tend to be more specialized on certain tasks, trained on certain tasks. Um, so the broader challenge of, of, of general intelligence is, is still uh, one or two decades at least away. Um, but in the meantime, these specialized systems will be incredibly useful to humans. Uh, you are suggesting that in next... Uh... 20 to 25 years, we should be able to develop artificial general intelligence. Um, however, uh, there are scientists uh, out there who think that uh, we need more time. Uh, there are some scientists who say that artificial general intelligence is uh, not possible uh, in near future. And some scientists say that we need different type of computers to develop artificial general intelligence. Uh, and it may take uh, another hundred years uh, before uh, we get there. But you are optimistic uh, and you say that uh, we will see uh, the emergence of uh, artificial general intelligence uh, uh, in next uh, 20 to 25 years. 
Yeah, so so basically, you know, that's uh, indeed sort of my, my personal view. Uh, you, you're very right. That there is a broad spectrum of of, of thoughts on on when this, among AI experts, so people in the field, uh, about how long it will take to reach the uh, the general intelligence. Uh, and some people, indeed, claiming we may never quite reach it. Um, I guess I base my judgment on sort of the the, the acceleration that's taking place in the field. Um, the, the deep learning system, in particular, uh, are are making advances that that you know five years ago were unforeseen. And and so so there is there's sort of this this enormous um, uh, new new paradigm in the field uh, driven by the deep learning uh, approaches um, that that is solving problems that that we thought of you know in my own area reasoning you know certain problems that, that we, we didn't think could be solved for another few decades suddenly are solved uh, you know within years uh, one or two years uh, by these by this new formalism so so there's this enormous uh, acceleration now. I should say, and that's why, why some people say, well, it could be another 100 years where we reach general intelligence. Um, there are still technical um, questions that we don't quite understand. So let me give a, a specific example. So um, machine, machine translation uh, systems are becoming very, very good. You know, the, the language translation system, Google Translate, for example, that, that takes English and goes to Chinese and Chinese and back to English. Uh, these translation systems are, are not at the level of a human translator. Um, a professional translator, but they are surprisingly good. So they, they, they match, you know, top human performance maybe at the level of about eighty percent or no, or eighty-five percent. Um, so what, what's surprising about these systems? And they have been trained with, with deep learning methods. They are trained on, um, on hundreds of thousands of example translations. So example translations: you take a Chinese sentence, translate in, in English, and English sentence into Chinese. And so giving them hundreds of thousands of those example sentences, you can get a, a, a quite a sophisticated uh, translation system uh, and a very useful one. What is, what is not so well known about these systems is that they actually do not understand uh, what the speakers and the English speaker or the Chinese speaker is talking about. So the systems actually... You know, are able to do translation because they've seen so many examples of how to translate sentences, but they're able to do it without understanding what is actually being discussed in in those languages, uh, and that that's actually so hard even for a human to understand to to to, to comprehend because it's hard to believe that that if you didn't speak Chinese and you didn't speak English, you would somehow still be able to translate between those two languages um, without understanding the the content. So, th so that's a, you know, so, so there is a question uh, um, still in the area of you know we're able to do these sort of amazing things, uh, but we might be doing are we likely still doing them differently than the way uh, a human would translate uh, a sentence? We we understand the sentence and then we generate it in the other language, but we have a deeper understanding of the of the sentences to be able to translate. So so. So that's sort of a difference. So there's, there's sort of, you know, the deeper understanding of languages uh, may take us, uh, you know, and there's, there's the speculation, will that take us another 10 years, 20 years, or maybe 30 or 40 or longer. But, but again, I'm, I'm sort of more on the, on the optimistic side that, that uh, we will probably conquer those, those problems too. Uh, but we have to keep in mind that, that the capabilities we are seeing at this point are not are not exactly the same capabilities as we have in humans. There are some concerns uh, about emerging artificial intelligence uh, systems. Uh, there is a view that uh, decisions made by some AI algorithms are made in such a way that it is hard for humans to understand how these decisions are being made. Uh, this leads to the issues of uh, explainability of AI decisions and uh, the control problem. Uh, let us look at the explainability problem. Uh, I believe there is a lot of research going on in this area of explainable artificial intelligence uh, uh, so that these decisions made by artificial intelligence systems are understood by humans. Uh, talk to us about uh, this. 
Yeah, so that, so that's a very good issue that that actually has has only been, that the problem has only emerged in in the last you know two or three years. It has really become clear uh, because of the capabilities of the system becoming so powerful, and and we start then we start seeing the use of these systems in all kinds of uh, aspects of our society. You know, starting with uh, decisions about loans or decisions about hiring. Uh, the AI systems are, are being used in, in all kinds of settings now, and they are making uh, recommendations or even decisions independently uh, of humans. Um, and then we go back and we say, well, um, do we, as a human, can we understand why the decision is made? And and one of the big challenges with something like deep learning is um, the system comes to these decisions by seeing thousands or hundreds of thousands of previous example decisions, uh, but then, you know, construct a very complex mathematical model, which was literally um, hundreds of thousands of, of hidden parameters, um, uses that model to make a decision about a new case. Um, but there is no, um, no explanation. The system cannot provide an explanation why that uh, that decision for the new case is is the best possible decision, uh, and and so people realize for 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 humans to to trust the machines and to trust these decisions, we have to find mechanisms to have the machine either give some kind of explanation, or at least we have to be very aware that these decisions are made um, in sort of a non-transparent way, and we have to look at. Uh, you know, we can we can look at the outcome of the decisions. Let's say hiring procedures. Um, we look at we can look at is there a bias for 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 gender? Is there a bias for age? We can start looking at the results of these systems and see is there a hidden bias somewhere in the system that we did not know of or that we did not want to see. Um, and and so people are working hard. And there is really an emerging field in artificial intelligence, a subfield um, that is now a few years old. Uh, where people are starting to to, uh, to to look for ways to come up with, uh, to have the system either generate explanations or at least test the outcome of these systems to, to make sure they're, they're fair and, and, and justified and ethically uh, justified decisions. Uh, I should say it's very much a, on the forefront of AI research right now. Uh, we, we don't have uh, definite answers or clear solutions yet. Um, but I'm confident, actually, that since the problem is now being studied so uh, so carefully, that, that AI researchers will find ways uh, to make these uh, these systems uh, reliable, trustable, uh, and and fair. Um, you know, when they are used in, in, in at a large scale. Um, but it, it's it's a very important uh, issue. This leads us to my next uh, question. Uh, if there are aspects of artificial intelligence systems uh, that we cannot understand, and if we cannot explain how some AI systems are making decisions, uh, then how can we trust such systems? Uh, should we trust artificial intelligence? And should we be uh, worried about uh, the developments uh, in the field of uh, artificial intelligence? Yeah, so so I think we you know worry. I, I think maybe maybe uh, a little too strong a term, but but I think we have to be aware of 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 the challenges there. And um, I, I think in some sense, yeah, we already are seeing uh, some of the impacts of, of what I would call sort of the unforeseen uh, consequences of systems of automation in general. So. Um, social networks spreading, uh, you know, running hidden campaigns, influencing elections. So we're starting, I think, as a society to become aware that, you know, this is not just AI. It's sort of more part of automation itself, where we, where we are humans interacting with very complex networks and very complex uh, computational processes. Uh, and these 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 computational uh, mechanisms, for example, the way um, you know social uh, media platforms propagate information, uh, is is somewhat hidden. Is somewhat hidden from the from from the human user, 
uh, and it may not be fully understandable. Uh, I think we are starting to realize as a society that, yes, we need to think about the consequences of having these complex computational networks, communication networks, as part of our societies, and and how can we ensure that that um, that they don't have con- uh, unforeseen consequences on elections and on all kinds of parts of our society? I, I think it would not be, you know, in some sense, it doesn't seem to be a solution to say, well, let's let's not have social networks or let's not have online platforms uh, or let's not have AI systems. There are too many positive sides that I think these, these systems bring to our society and it makes our society richer and everybody can communicate with everybody. And um, so, so it make us, can bring the world closer together, can lead to better health care. Uh, but we have to be as a society aware uh, and the designers, I actually think it's it's, it's largely the um, the responsibility of the designers of AI systems to make sure that people can trust the systems. Uh, and I think I'm optimistic about that because, you know, for example, in self-driving cars, it's very clear that that society would not accept self-driving cars that were not, you know, super reliable and super um, safe. Uh, so, so I think designers of these systems. Um, are aware that, that 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 we should find ways to make humans able to trust the system. Um, now, the interesting thing about trusting AI systems is you may not fully understand. You may not fully understand how even your self-driving car works, and actually, you likely you won't. Uh, but you do want to have a level of trust in how the car is designed, how it's, how it's built, how the AI system. Uh, has safety controls, you do want to have sufficient trust in the system to use it. And, and I think it's a responsibility, actually, of the designer of AI systems uh, to, build in, um, to build in the safety and the, and the controls so that humans can trust the system. This nicely uh, brings us uh, to my next uh, question. Uh, when you say that this is a responsibility of designers and developers of AI systems uh, to include necessary safeguards, uh, do you think that there is a need uh, for setting up rules and regulations and procedures and standards to ensure uh, Uh, that necessary safeguards are there? Uh, Do you think that there is a need to regulate research in the field of artificial intelligence to ensure that when these systems are developed, uh, necessary safeguards are put in place? Yes, I I, I think in in terms, yeah, there should be in... uh, in the way, um, yeah, what is, is it? Probably regulation might be might be one area where where this could be done. Um, yeah, there should should definitely be some controls uh, on uh, on how on, on on what gets developed or how things get developed in terms of AI systems. Um, I guess I see. I, I, I'm. I'm more a proponent of sort of a positive guidance in this way. So in, in the United States right now, we see uh, a number of proposals for funding programs in, in artificial intelligence research that have a, a, a well-defined safety and ethics component. So, so researchers are are uh, are encouraged and, and are uh, you know funding is provided to to think about the the safety, the ethical, and the fairness questions of the and the interpretability questions. Of AI systems um, now, uh, companies developing systems, uh, regulations are, are, are probably needed at some level uh, to say, well, your system has to be, be, be certified in a certain way um, to ensure that that it meets uh, certain standards of, of fairness and, and interpretability. Um, I, th- I think that's that's probably the best way to to do this. Uh, and I also think it's not really unusual. I, I think if you look at you know uh, um, the airline industry or the aircraft and, and all kinds of engineered uh, systems, um, they do have uh, fairly good regulations and, and safety procedures um, and, and oversight committees um, to make them uh, part of our society. So we've done it in many areas. AI maybe is, is, is a new area and, and has a 
it has even bigger challenges in terms of of, of, uh, of fairness and, and, and safety than than other uh, complex uh, artifacts. Uh, but um, I, I think it's doable, and I think uh, government uh, plays a role should play a role in, in this game and in this in this uh, in this new world. Uh, perhaps uh, an important. Uh but extreme uh, example is uh, uh, development of uh, autonomous weapon systems. Uh, now, these are smart systems uh, uh, that are able to independently find uh, their target and destroy it uh, without any human intervention. Uh, such systems may kill uh, human targets without consulting another human. Uh, what is your view on the development of uh, autonomous weapon systems? Yeah, so that, so that's a very uh, very good good question, and it's a sort of a, a hot topic within the the AI world. Um, AI is 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 inherently a dual use uh, technology. It can be used for, for for good and bad, and and so um, so many uh, you know computer vision system you know are are great for for self driving cars because the car can can look around itself and make sure it doesn't drive into. Uh, any objects or, into, or, or hit any pedestrians. Uh, so, so clearly, computer vision systems are are are, are excellent uh, for the safety of, of self-driving cars. Uh, but of course, a, a, a good computer vision system can also pick a face out of a crowd of of ten thousand people and 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 be used, uh, you know, on a drone potentially uh, to to pick out a target. Um, so, so at a high level, it it, it it's sort of you can't say we we don't do computer vision or something like that. I mean, well, you could say, it, but then you would eliminate all the positive uses. So, so you're sort of faced with this dual use uh, scenario inherent in in AI systems, and this has opened up this this you know Pandora's box in terms of of autonomous weapons. So you have a a good vision system, you have a good uh, autonomous control, which would be great for self-driving cars or self-flying, you know, uh, automatic planes, uh, flying taxis. Um, all these technology, you can you can you can use them in society uh, in very positive ways, but somebody can put them together and, and make it into an autonomous autonomous weapons. Um, the 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 path forward here, I think, is for uh, for countries, and this is really more an, an international uh, level uh, negotiation or agreements for 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 company for for countries company for countries to to get together and realize it is in nobody's interest to actually uh, start some kind of uh, autonomous weapons arms race that would actually be very dangerous for all players involved, and and so. I see the best way forward there to for, for countries to get together and, and recognize. We actually see this being recognized by various militaries around the around the world. That there, it's probably in no one's interest to actually start uh, an arms race around autonomous weapons. Uh, and countries have to come to agreements of of how to limit such systems. Um, and what what I've you know, experience I've had with interacting with with uh, various defense departments is that there is actually a, you know, an understanding of that problem, and and uh, there is a desire, for example, to to keep the human when you come to to legal decisions, uh, to keep the human in the loop uh, to, as much as possible, um, so that we don't hand these uh, this, these kind of life and death decisions over uh, completely to autonomous systems because this will be a risk for everyone not not you know you might have a, uh, a military advantage but if your your opponent also has such systems uh quickly that could get out of hand so it's, it's something that that is very current and and, and uh, researchers are actually getting together at least to warn at least the the, the military uh, and the and the political uh forces that, that this is something we have to be concerned about. Thank you very much uh, for this uh, very good uh, description. Uh, let us move on and let us discuss uh, some of the research projects that you have been working on. Uh, you have been working on uh, AI systems that use 
artificial reasoning uh, to make decisions. Uh, you have also focused on projects where uh, artificial intelligence was uh, used uh, to study structures of scientific problems to find uh, solutions. Uh, you also focused on uh, non-human intelligence. Uh, now, that's uh, an interesting concept. Uh, when we develop artificial intelligence, we try to mimic uh, human intelligence and, when, and, and we try to see machine intelligence uh, with the same lens uh, uh, that we use to uh, understand human intelligence. However, perhaps there are other ways to imagine, to understand and to design and to create uh, intelligence. Let us dive deep um, uh, into these um, uh, interesting projects and concepts uh, and let us look into these. Uh, perhaps we start with artificial reasoning. Yes, yeah, so, so artificial reasoning is, is a little different uh, from from uh, computer vision and, and, and speech recognition, so sort of the perceptual abilities of the brain. Uh, you know, artificial reasoning deals with, uh, well, the, the cleanest example is where we do you know, forms of logical reasoning when we, uh, or rational argument. So it's a level of cognition. It's generally viewed as a higher level of cognition. So there is the there is a kind of uh, cognition which is very immediate. Like when we when we see a, when we look around us, you you identify things, uh, objects in, in your in your image field, in your visual field, in, in, in a matter of milliseconds. Uh, but reasoning is a higher level ability. You know when we. Uh, Analyze it, it occurs in all kinds of settings. Uh, you know, when we analyze uh, um, evidence in a court case, or we argue about a political, consider a political argument for or against a certain position, uh, that's where our higher level of cognition kicks in. And this higher level of cognition uses, you know, logical reasoning steps. If this is true, and and this implies, if if A is true and A implies B. Uh, if we know that A is true, then B will be true because A implies B. Um, so we make these little uh, reasoning steps, and, and humans, um, that it is called sometimes referred to as uh, system two uh, uh, cognition. So the, the different, the first system, system one is very quick cognition. System two is more deliberate, slower, much harder for humans actually. So so. Yeah, you know, we we can do it, but it, it can take us hours or days or weeks to figure out uh, you know, complex uh, arguments and and to uh, uh, to modify them and adjust them. Um, so so it's a slower process in, in the human brain, um, but uh, machines are actually uh, much faster at it. So so I, my research is on on fast reasoning procedures that take these. These little logical steps that, that human can make consciously when we think carefully to an argument, uh, but the machines can make those same steps, but at many orders of magnitude faster. In fact, you know we can do, um, you know, maybe one or two uh, reasoning steps. You know, it, it can take several seconds for reasoning steps to think things through. Uh, machines can make a billion per second. Um, so, so I, I look at, at AI systems. Um, that do billions of little reasoning steps, uh, and and then if you if you uh, study those systems, they can reveal things, for example, about uh, mathematics and and discover new uh, new theorems or prove new theorems in mathematics uh, that are in some sense beyond our human cognition, and and I refer to it as as non-human AI. Uh, because it's 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 a capability that that we have, but we're not exactly excelling at. So, uh, however, uh, when we have machines do that kind of reasoning, um, what we're starting to see is machines can help us in discovering new mathematics and discovering, uh, or in, in we also probably some material science and in many different areas of of, of scientific discovery. Um, we we now start seeing the first examples. Of where the machines does a, a new discovery um, or proves a, finds a proof to a theorem that that has eluded mathematicians for decades, or, uh, you know, 50, 60 years. We were not able to prove it, and the machine comes around and, and proves it. Uh, what I like about these these new results is um, we can trust the results because we, we have independent ways of verifying them, so they, they are trustworthy. Um, but they will—they are beyond what the human mind could do. Uh, 
and and they are starting to complement uh, human discovery. So it's not replace because it's a really a different kind of mathematics they do, uh, but it complements human mathematics. And we're starting to see the same thing in in, in, in materials discovery. These systems start to complement the human scientist, uh, and I think that's sort of a very uh, exciting aspect of AI that that is not focusing so much on on doing what humans do. It's focusing on doing what machines can do well and and then bringing it back to to what humans can use and and I think that's um you know a fundamental reason why I think this is possible is because the digital computer is, is still is actually you know at a very foundational level different than the biological neuro computer that we run the massively parallel neural computer we have in our that's our brain is is architecturally different than the digital machine we've, we've built in silicon, and so the different aspects of, of these two uh, uh, computer hardware, or key computational hardware, uh, leads to to essentially different types of of intelligence, and and uh, I, I see a path where um, the machine intelligence will complement the human intelligence. And since human intelligence is so flexible, uh, I think human scientists will start using the outcome of the machine uh, intelligence to advance human uh, scientific discovery again. So it's a nice complementary process. Uh, this leads us uh, to uh, this uh, fascinating concept uh, of uh human-centered uh, intelligence uh, where AI systems uh, uh, will complement, uh, will augment uh, human ability uh, to make uh, quick and right uh, decisions? Yes, yes. And, and yes, yeah, so they will complement us. They will provide us, uh, you know, and, and again, it, it has to be in a trust, uh, in a trustable way. So as, as I said about the mathematical results, you know, the machine is able to prove uh, a new result in mathematics, uh, but also convince in a, in a convincing way. And it's a little too technical to complain to, to explain how that's done, but in a way that that mathematicians can trust these results. So so they are trustworthy in the sense. Okay, um, I may not as a human be able to to replicate the proof, uh, but I I, w- I definitely trust the result. And and so that's the, the machines will complement us. Uh, and and that opens up a whole you know a whole new area of, of scientific discovery of of, of uh, enriching our uh, our human uh, experience in, in in a certain sense. Uh, a good example that that I can think of is you know it, it's sort of hard to think about you know it's hard to think of in what sense human intelligence is limited. Uh, but but perhaps the best example that we all sort of know is you know, we can perceive the, the, the three-dimensional world around us, the visual world, very well. And we're actually very good at spatial intuitions and, and what fits, uh, you know, way, how to plan a path to a 3D world and, and how to find objects and all these kind of things. But if you switch to a four-dimensional world or a five-dimensional or a ten-dimensional world, um, our cognition is totally lost. We actually... We have no intuitions about how to, to deal with a four-dimensional world or a five-dimensional world. Um, in a machine, uh, it may be, although the, the reasoning capability, ironically, for machines in the three-dimensional world are not as good as humans yet, uh, but they don't have any difficulties of, of, of reasoning in four-dimensional, five-dimensional, ten-dimensional worlds. So, so what I foresee is a future where machines will bring back insights about you know what happens in a four-dimensional world or in a ten-dimensional world back to humans and and, and then humans can can build on those intuitions and insights um, so there are certain real limits to our own cognition that machines can surpass or I wouldn't say surpass I would say complement um, because they, they excel at these other aspects you made a very interesting comment uh, a few moments ago that uh, these machines, uh, will help us uh, to discover new mathematics, uh, will enable us to make uh, new discoveries about the physical world uh, uh, around us. Uh, when a computer beat uh, humans uh, in the game of AlphaGo, a game master made an interesting statement. Uh, he said that humans had been playing this game for 2,000 years. 
but the patterns that he observed when the machine was playing the game were new to him. Uh, so uh, he said that perhaps uh, there was more to this game uh, than uh, what we knew. Uh, this means that uh, the machine was able to discover patterns and moves uh, in this game that the uh, human uh, brain uh, had not discovered? Yes, yes. I, I think that's, a, that's another excellent example of, of this phenomenon. That, that the same thing happened actually with chess, with positions, but definitely also with, with the work on Go. Uh, yes, certain, uh, you know, these, these, these games have been these studies for, for hundreds of thousands of years, uh, and, and humans have, have become very sophisticated at that, uh, but the way human knowledge proceeds is, is, is sort of we build pieces upon pieces. There's always it's a, a constructive process over, over hundreds of years, um, and that leads to, to a certain, I wouldn't say narrowness, but at least to a certain uh, you know, intuitions and insights that sort of become uh, almost folklore, almost, uh, you know, you should play this kind of starting position. So there, there are a few opening games that people use, and, you know, a rich number of them, but it's still limited. Uh, or you should do certain moves in certain situations because these moves worked well in the past and, and they have been analyzed uh, in great detail. Uh, so we are quite confident about those those sort of uh, pieces of knowledge about go or chess um but uh, yeah, we have to keep in mind these were you know discovered by humans and and over over long periods of time but other aspects of the game uh, are now being discovered by the machine because humans haven't studied these variations it, it would be too risky for in some sense for a human player to to do a totally novel move at some point in the middle of the game, uh, because in most cases the, the player would simply lose uh, and, and doesn't want to risk the game at that time. Um, so uh, human knowledge, you know, built on human knowledge, but but is is you know goes in one direction, and the machines are now showing, hey, if I look in this totally new direction that nobody else tried uh, or hasn't tried for. For, for, for decades, uh, I find another way of, 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 of playing the game, uh, another way of doing mathematics, another way of looking at physics. Um, that leads me to new uh, approaches that can be better than the previous approaches or, or complement the previous approaches. So, um, so we're starting to, the, the, the superhuman performance systems are starting to show uh, that this is possible. And, and I view it as exciting. I, I think another thing to keep in mind is, and this is, you know, it's actually a fundamental result in, in, in computer science, but, but discussed in different contexts, is it's easier, you know, if, if you look to a, a mathematical proof, um, in school we're, we're taught all kinds of like little proofs in, let's say, geometry. Uh, it's a lot easier to understand a proof or an argument than to find a new argument. Uh, so finding a new argument is incredibly hard. But if, a, if somebody comes to you and says, oh, I have a new argument, a new proof, that person can often explain it to you quite easily. You know, it might not be trivial, but, but after some explanation, you say, okay, this is a new way of looking at it. Uh, it what is hard is finding that new way. Uh, and so what I see a role for machines, machine intelligence there is, We'll find new ways of playing chess, new ways of playing Go, new ways of doing mathematics. And when people start looking at these new ways, they will realize, yes, this actually is a useful way. This is a, this is a good alternative a line of play. Uh, and in the future, we're actually starting to see that in Go and chess. People are starting to use these new insights in human play. And I'm, I'm starting to see the same thing in mathematics. It's not quite there yet, but we're starting to see the first signs of it that mathematicians can start saying, okay, I know a new kind of uh, proof, a new kind of uh, lemma has been proved by machine. I'm going to use it in, in human mathematics. These are fascinating uh, developments. Uh, usually when we talk about artificial intelligence, uh, uh, we we think about self-driving cars, uh, machine vision, uh, natural language processing. Uh, but uh, what you are saying is fascinating. Uh, if artificial intelligence is going to change the way we make scientific discoveries, if it is going to open up new ways to study and understand this universe and perhaps the nature of reality, 
uh, then this is going to be amazing. Uh, and, and then couple it uh, with the concept of non-human intelligence uh, where AI systems are able to solve problems uh, with the large number of variables, uh, perhaps uh, millions of variables and problems that have uh, millions of dimensions. Uh, you, are point, you are pointing towards very smart systems that will enable us to make uh, scientific discoveries, that will en enable us to quickly and easily develop plans for very complex projects and quickly uh, make uh, best possible decisions uh, in very complex uh, situations. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think you're pointing out a very exciting aspect is that uh, I think it's, it's it's going to, you know, change the way we do science and mathematics. But in on a broader scale, we're going to change our our ability to manage and to to, to make complex decisions, even uh, in terms of government, in terms of policies. Um, one thing I see, uh, you know, one thing that that's leading to a lot of, of political problems, a lot of you know, um, complex management problems, is that. Uh, you know, the real problem has has you know thousands of variables and thousands of, of things that are interact. The human brain is not good at dealing with thousands of variables or thousands of factors. Um, so we tend our human brain tends to simplify things. It tends to want to have the one aspect. You know, when we make decisions, you give me the most important uh, thing to you, and I'm going to optimize that one thing. Human brain has, you know, it makes the human brain very powerful, but it has this tendency to simplify away things in order to understand them. Uh, however, I think there is a whole, uh, a lot of decisions and a very complex decision involving large organizations, lots of people, companies, governments. Uh, problems are, are highly dimensional. They have they have trade-offs between, uh, you know, hundreds of variables, thousands of variables. Um, what I foresee is, is a future that AI systems will start to help us with making those kind of decisions better because the machine is not forced to simplify things as much. It can actually take a thousand variables or a hundred thousand variables into account and, and, and work in that landscape for looking for the best solutions. So, uh, so it will not just, my hope is that it will not just help us with scientific discovery and, and mathematical discovery but more generally with very complex decision maker and, and find better ways of managing complex systems. And, and it's this high dimensionality aspect that, that uh, the human brain for, for evolutionary reasons, for, for biological hardware reasons, has this strong tendency to just simplify things. Uh, but that leads to sort of very opposing uh, conclusions because people just, you know, have, have just one variable to optimize and when one person wants to optimize, the other person wants to minimize it, or uh, it, it leads to sort of all kinds of very difficult uh, um, situations where people have opposing views because they've simplified the problem too much. Uh, if you take into account all aspects, uh, you can be making much more nuanced decisions and, and more complex uh, um, management of, of complex decisions. And so I'm hopeful that, that machines will actually even help us in areas of, of government, in areas of decision-making, to get to more harmonious decisions. So that's, that's another aspect that I'm hopeful about. It's sort of non-human AI. It's, it, it, it's, it, we're, not, we're not focusing on the way humans do it. We're actually saying, let's try this high-dimensional decision-making that humans is not natural for humans, but humans can at least understand that that could be better than the way humans make decisions right now. So if we carefully invest uh, in the research and development of uh, artificial intelligence, uh, and if we manage this research and development uh, carefully, uh, then there are huge benefits. Uh, so if academics, research institutions, private and public organizations across the world sport and manage research in the field of artificial intelligence, uh, we all uh, will benefit. Uh, uh, our society uh, will benefit and uh, humanity uh, will benefit. Um, yeah, so I, I think there's, there's a lot of interest and uh, questions by governments, different countries of, of how they should uh, invest in AI. 
and whether they should whether they should invest in AI development. Um, so I I I always point out that we should be aware of the many positive uh, aspects that AI can can bring and and how it can make human life better and and governments run better, organizations run better. Um, so I I think it's important to be aware of the. Uh, the challenges and the, the possible negative aspects um, of, of automated decision making. Um, so they, they, these issues should definitely be addressed and be studied and basically be possibly regulated. Uh, but while doing so, uh, society should not lose track of the many positive things these, these AI techniques can bring and, and realizing it could actually lift the standards of living and, and the uh, our society to the next level and possibly a more harmonious type of living among people. Um, th- those are the positive aspects AI can bring, and I, I, I'm hoping that, that people realize that. And, and actually, in my you know, travels around the world, I, I actually see that, that, that Asian countries are a little bit more on the positive side of, of what AI can bring, and, and Western countries are a little bit more skeptical. Um, I, I just want both both sides to, to, to people to see both sides of, of, of AI and realize that 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 um, yeah there could be huge benefits. The, the clearest example I, I, I sort of have to me actually two clear examples are healthcare and education. So we could dramatically reduce the cost of healthcare and the availability and the quality of healthcare by using AI technology. Uh, education, we could broaden education and make education much broadly accessible for, for everybody and have come lifelong learning uh, opportunities if we have systems like AI tutors that, that are partly, that are hybrid of humans, teacher and AI systems. So um, there, are, there are such clear positive benefits that we should not ignore those as long as we manage things carefully. Um, and, but, but I'd like to see people, for people to be aware of these positive factors that AI could, could bring. Professor Bart Selman, thank you very much for being with me. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on my show. Thanks so much. I think this is a, a super interesting uh, podcast series you're running. <laughs> I've, I've been listening to some of them. It's great. So, yeah, so I, I very much enjoyed it and keep up the good work because I think this is very useful for, for people to learn new things. So, uh, so I, I think it's excellent. So, yes, um, thanks so much. Thank you and uh, goodbye. Okay, thanks very much. Goodbye. Bye-bye.